Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. you. May be seated. God bless you. The Lord is good. Welcome you all to this session of this service in Jesus' name. I prayed and the Lord laid in my heart to share with you the topic I want to share with you today. The secret of a disciplined Christian. The secret of a disciplined Christian. Let us pray. My Lord and my God, we thank you once more for the privilege and opportunity, O oh God, Father, to hear, to speak your word, uh, that you speak through me to your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, I empty myself of my thoughts and plans, but ask that your will be done and that you speak through me. To the blessing of your people this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, faithful God. I come against every spirit of distraction. As, O oh Lord, that your name Lord be exalted in this session of the service in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. The secret of a disciplined Christian. Somebody may say, ah, not all Christian discipline. We're going to find out that it takes discipline to be a disciple indeed. There are disciples, followers of Christ, and there are disciples indeed. In fact, one of the definitions of disciple, a disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ. Amen. A disciplined follower of Christ. Discipline is what makes us to choose to do what we ought to do when our flesh tells us to do otherwise. Our flesh has the tendency to lead us to do what pleases the natural man. But the spirit man Helps us to please God. But there is a fight within every Christian. The flesh and the spirit. There is a war. You need to recognize that there is a warfare. And that if you yield yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You walk in the flesh. And you, you walk in the spirit and not fulfill the loss of the flesh. That's our prayer. That's our goal. And so in this talk this morning. We are going to find out the secret. There's a secret you need to know or discover or to adopt so that you'll be a disciplined Christian that is pleasing to God all the time. Amen. Through discipline, we become dead to self. Dead to self and to the world around us. What that means is that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will not fulfill the lust of our fleshly desires that was against the spirit man in us. You know, you are made of spirit, soul, and body. 
And it's your spirit that is regenerated when you are born again. Your spirit changes. The flesh, something needs to be done to it. The soul, something needs to be done to it. Just recognize that. When you were born again, as you were born again just yesterday, maybe two years ago or three years ago, it was your spirit that was transformed. It was spirit, your spirit that was regenerated. What happens is that the flesh and the soul, they have to be dealt with as you grow as a Christian. So the secret to living a disciplined life will help us as we grow to spiritual maturity in Jesus' name. Discipline is an aid that helps us to maintain holy living. The Bible says without holiness, no man can see God. To help us live this holy life, we need to have discipline. Discipline. Discipline is not holiness. Take note of that. Discipline is not holiness. Oh, that's a disciplined Christian. Then that's a holy Christian. It doesn't follow. Somebody can be disciplined in the natural sense, the natural use of the word, and not know God at all. That lady, oh, it's a disciplined lady. That man is a disciplined man. I may not know the Lord. So we need to draw the line. One can have a disciplined life and not think about God at all. Discipline is not substitute for the grace of God either. Somebody say, oh, where is the grace of God? Is the grace of, of course, the grace of God is there for us. But discipline enables the grace of God to be factual in your life and my life. Amen. God's grace gives us power to sustain discipline. See the relationship. God's grace gives us power to sustain discipline. Holy living is devoted living. And discipline helps us subject the physical to the spiritual. Let's get some examples of people who exercise self-discipline in the Bible. Number one, let's talk about Moses. In Hebrews 11 verse 25. Let's read it. See what the man had to do as a result of self-discipline. Hebrews 11:25. This is what it says. As for Moses, when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the Passing pleasures of sin for a season. That is self-control. He exercises self-control. And self-control is self-discipline. Amen. Daniel and the three Hebrew children, when they were in captivity in Babylon, they also exercised self-control or self-discipline. What did they do? In Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, let's read it. Let's see what they did. They didn't have to stay long before they made their plan known. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. You see, Daniel and the three children they were chosen among the youths 
because they found some kind of excellent spirit in them. In fact, at this point, they had great potential and some giftings. And so, the king ordered that they be treated with special diet, kingly diet for that matter, so that they would grow in wisdom according to their own beliefs. But Daniel said, no, we are Hebrews. I know we are in captivity, but we remain Hebrews and we are going to be loyal to our God. There are certain kinds of food and drinks we don't take. Please allow us to be fed on just vegetables and some kind of food. Try us for 10 days. It was, a, it was calculated. It was a decision that they made. And it was an expensive or risky decision. Because the, the person who took care of them, the person who prepared their food, you know, it could be held liable if they were not fed properly. But by faith, he said, test us for 10 days and see what will happen. So in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. It was not just only Daniel. The three Hebrew children, you know, they did exactly the same thing. And they were given that 10 days trial. And they came out better than all others. They were 10 times better. Amen. Yes. And out of faith, they decided to obey God because the Levitical law forbade them to eat certain kinds of food and drink. And they remained loyal. There was no pastor with them. Their parents were not there with them. And that's to tell you what we need to do when we are in such situation. Where our brothers and sisters are not there. It has to be you and God alone. They remain faithful to God. But that is self-discipline. That is self-control in action. Amen. Jesus, our Lord, Savior. He lived a life of self-denial. And of course, self-discipline. To always please the Father who sent him. John chapter 6 verse 38. John 6 verse 38 Jesus said For I came down from heaven Not to do my own will But the will of him that sent me As Jesus is So are we in this world Was sent of the father And he came to fulfill that mission And he pleased the father in everything Even in the moment of trial When he was praying The guardian of Gethsemane He prayed Oh this cross will be so heavy for me. Oh. And he prayed and prayed, sweated and sweated. You know, blood, something like blood was coming out, like sweat, because he was in agony. The flesh said, No, you can't go all this way. There must be a way out. There was a struggle within. But what did he do? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Similarly, as children of God, in a place like this, in a nation like this, we need to know who our loyalty should be to, to the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us. 
he bought us with his own price. He said that we are a kingdom within another kingdom, you know. We are a nation, a nation of priests. We are kings and priests. We are a peculiar people and, of course, a peculiar treasure to God. So God looks at you specially and you should not believe to yourself. May we not disappoint God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Apostle Paul kept his body under, lest after preaching to others himself be a castaway. He did that. That is self-control. That is self-discipline in action. That is the price we have to pay. It cost Christ his blood, his life to save us. What is it costing you to be a Christian? Oh, it's by grace. Once you have entered that grace, that freedom, and that's all. But in this talk today, we find that there is some kind of responsibility we have. The Holy Spirit has been given to us not to dictate anything to us, but to cooperate with him and to allow him to be our helper, our standby. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, is there to counsel us, is there to guide us in all our ways. He's our helper. If we don't allow him, Holy Spirit will not compel you to do anything. So it's important we have the grace of God, we have the Holy Spirit, but we have a, a, a responsibility to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to live an overcoming Christian life. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, you find that how that throughout his ministry, Apostle Paul tried to do that. It's very easy to preach. Yes, but one has to be careful. We have to be careful, each and every one of us, lest after preaching to others who ourselves become cast away. That's exactly what Apostle Paul did, and we should learn from that. As we can see, self-discipline is closely related to becoming disciples indeed. In John chapter 8, verse 31. John 8, verse 31. This is what it says. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. There is need to continue in the Lord. There is need to abide in the Lord. In John chapter 15, we find that the necessity of abiding in Christ. We need to abide in him. We need, you know, we need to continue to uphold his word in our lives so that we'll be disciples indeed. In other words, many are called, few are chosen. It's not all those who say they are disciples that are disciples indeed. Many claim and profess they are Christians, but in action, indeed, they betray Christ. That shouldn't be our portion in the name of Jesus. Daniel and the three, okay, we talked about Daniel, how that they made up their mind. We have to decide. It was a decision. Daniel would say, oh, let what will be will be. After all, God understands that we are in a foreign land. He didn't reason like that. So in this world we are in, God knows that we are in the, in the you know, we are like um, pilgrims. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Amen. Self-control is the ability to control one's emotions and desires 
or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Amen? Self-control, self-discipline, they are the same. Christian discipline will mean they are, they are the same and they denote having mastery or lordship over one's flesh. The issue is flesh that always wars against the spirit. So if you can have mastery over the flesh, then you are an overcoming Christian, then you agree unto maturity, then you want to become like Christ, and indeed you'll be in Jesus' name. We can exhibit self-control, and it can lead us to emotional stability. When we have self-control, it leads to emotional stability, leads to physical stability as well. You are not erratic in your behavior. When somebody makes you annoying, makes you mad, you know, self-control comes in. You just have to apply that principle, self-control. Otherwise, this person has offended you. This person has cursed me. Should I not curse back? The tendency to, 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 to pay back is there. The tendency to curse back is there. But self-control is like break. Said, no, I'm a spiritual man. I can't do this. I can't say this. Amen. That's what self-control is all about and it's very, very important. That's how to control our thoughts. You need to control the thoughts that come into your heart. Even right now, you'd be surprised. Some thoughts can be flashing into your mind. You have to resist them. It's an act of self-control. But the young ones in particular, oh, you may have heard a blip on your phone. Maybe somebody has just tested you. The temptation to check it out is there. But one mind says, you are in church service. You should be focused. You should reverence God. Self-control. That's what we're talking about. It's nothing strange at all. Amen? Yes. It helps us understand how to manage temptations and calm when temptations come our way, how to manage temptations and overcome temptations. Giving our tendencies to worse sin, we must exercise self-control for the purpose of godliness, lest we be disciplined by God. All of us, we have fathers. Not long ago, we celebrated Father's Day. One thing fathers do is that they discipline. Even if your mom is so sympathetic with you, so loving, say, oh, my child, please don't touch my child. The husband, the man of the house, say, no, I don't want my children to grow wide. I want them to be disciplined. And he will set the rod of correction. Whatever way you do that, yes, that's what the father does. Do you know that your heavenly father can also discipline you? When you are going out of track, and because he loves you, he can discipline you, Sure, God can. But it's better we judge ourselves so that we will not be judged. It's better we discipline ourselves before God will think of the necessity to discipline us. Amen. My first daughter, you know, thank God. I thank God for her life. She never gave me cause to use the rod on her any day. She's married now with three children. And I keep thanking God. It's not because I don't want to use the rod, but there was no, it wasn't necessary to use the rod on her. Amen? Because she was self-disciplined. Amen? Now I'm proud of her. 
God will also be proud of you if you are so self-disciplined that we don't have to use the rod of correction on you. For God himself, out of love, he does discipline his own children. Hebrews 12, 5 to 11. Let's read that in case it appears strange somebody. Does God discipline? Yes, God does. Hebrews 12 from verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation we speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partaker, then ye are bastards and not sons. It is an act of love for God to discipline us, to correct us. Amen. So just don't count it strange if God has to discipline any of his children. If they go astray and they wouldn't obey the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit woos you. The Holy Spirit appeals to you. He never compels you to do anything. That's one thing you must know. He has not made us spiritual robots. Never. Growth in personal holiness is largely determined by our progress in self-discipline. Self-discipline indicates self-mastery over one's inner desires, thoughts, and actions. It is the control it is the control or a believer must exercise in his or her life. It's necessary to have self-control in everything, in many things. Galatians 5 verse 23. Let's see what it says. Galatians 5 verse 23. This is what it says. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Temperance means self-control. Praise the Lord. Yes, we must, we must have the fruit of the Spirit to enable us to overcome the flesh. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9 also tells us the same thing. The opposite of self-discipline is self-indulgence. If your child is self-indulgent, will you be happy? Whether it's your daughter or your son, will you be happy? No, none of us will be happy. Neither will God be happy when we are self-indulgent. We do what pleases the flesh. In fact, the book of James tells us specifically, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God, friendship with the flesh, friendship with the world is enmity. It's just the opposite. God wants us to please Him. God wants us to worship Him in all things and not to share His love with the world of the flesh. We need to overcome the flesh. Oftentimes, when we talk about enemies, 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 we never think about the enemy within, the greatest of all. Of all enemies, you need to overcome this flesh. 
And it's a continual battle. You can't pray, oh Lord, let not the flesh exist anymore. Then you would exist. God has created spirit, soul, and body. But he has given you a responsibility to fight the fight of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, put on the whole armor of God. Be able to fight and overcome the wars of the flesh. The enemy, the devil. The devil comes in through the flesh. Yes, he comes in. And the flesh wants to give expression to what Satan has ordered. But it's for us to overcome the flesh. Say no to the flesh. And by saying no to the flesh, you are saying no to the devil. And the devil will be disappointed. Amen. The opposite of self-discipline self is self-indulgence lifestyle that produces the works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. When you are self-indulgent, these are the things you expect in your life. Even though you are a Christian. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You can see the words of the flesh, or the fruit of the flesh, vis-a-vis -vis the fruit of the spirit, we say Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We want to be on this side, Galatians 5, 22, 23. Amen. Not the other side, 19 to 22, 19 to 21 there. So all those words of the flesh, they are supposed to be passed in our life. But it takes self-discipline to make sure it's so. Have you not come across Christians who behave as if they have never heard about the name of Jesus? Apart from just having a Bible and going to church, their character has not changed any bit from unbelievers. It's just, prof they are just professing, head knowledge. Just head knowledge. They are just being religious. It ought not to be. Nevertheless, you can be a true Christian and still have some of these tendencies. It doesn't mean you are not a Christian anymore. It takes time to grow. So it takes time to get over these evil habits and to subdue the flesh. It takes time. And that's what we we'll learn by having self-control. Self-discipline is very important in victorious Christian living. A lack of self-control will inevitably result in sinful deeds. If you are tempted, whether in thought, a thought may just come to you now. Just, just leave this church hall. Just go outside and enjoy fresh air. That kind of thought may just come. Will you obey? It depends on you anyway. You may just, okay, I obey my flesh. Let me just go out and take fresh air. And Satan may bring in other thoughts. The temptation comes, you know, through the thoughts. The mind is the battlefield of the Christian. And so we have to be worried that that warfare must be won in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ has given us victory on the cross of Calvary. It is for us to maintain the victory. That is our responsibility. It's not as if we are going to do that by our own power. 
We are not doing it by our own power. We are doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God in every one of us. So you can't say, oh, I don't have the power to. The Holy Spirit is within you. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is there. He woos you. He speaks to you. You only get to know how he speaks to you. He tells you to do certain things and you don't do it. Your conscience will prick you. And that's where you, you, you now repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I should have done otherwise. So just get to understand how God speaks to you because he speaks to you. He surely does. The Holy Spirit helps us to produce a godly lifestyle. The Holy Spirit does not make us as of necessity to produce a godly lifestyle. He helps us. He's your helper. Amen? Just get to understand that one. Oh, I have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, all this talk about self-control is not necessary. It's necessary because you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Spirit of God whereby you are seed unto the day of redemption. We grieve God through unbelief, through sinful practice, through yielding to temptation. That's how we grieve the Spirit of God. And even when we grieve the Spirit of God, he still woos us to come back. Like the prodigal child will say, let me go back to my father. That's one thing we need to know. That even when you have missed the mark, Holy Spirit still woos you. He does not leave you. That's one basic thing we need to know. Because David prayed, oh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. God, in the New Testament, under this dispensation, he does not take the Holy Spirit from you when you sin. He's still very much around there. But wooing you, come back, my son, come back, my daughter, you are straight. It's who he woos you. Only respond. That's what we're talking about. And it's by self-control that you are able to have mastery over the flesh and over the sinful life tendencies in this world. Philippians 2 verse 13 tells us about this partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's a partnership because you may have the Holy Spirit and still behave carnally. You still commit sin as if you never knew the Lord because you are not yielding. To the leading of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2.13 says. For it is God which walketh in you. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What that means is that God who gives you the desire to live a holy life. And not only does he give you the desire. He gives you the ability, the power to live a holy life. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. He helps you to live a holy life. But you have to allow him. Amen. Yes, that's the issue. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Christ in you. Philippians 4, 1 to 3. Yes, we sure can by the power of the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus requires discipline every day. We're not talking about weekly thing or monthly thing. Every day. We have a choice to die to our flesh and live in the spirit. Every day. As for Apostle Paul, you know, he confessed that he died daily. Say, I die daily. Have you ever read that in the Bible? It's there. I die daily. What does that mean? That's in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31. In other words, I die daily. I die to, the, to, the, to self daily. I self-control daily. 
I discipline my body daily. The Lord leads us daily into greater intimacy with him through discipline and obedience and love. That's how God does it. Over time, our hearts are softened towards his voice and led fully into the depth of who he is. This is the life of a disciple of Christ. Over time, you find that you have become softened. You are able to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit and conform to his will. We often like to hear messages about God's love for us and how he blesses us on a daily basis. Beautiful. A life of following Jesus isn't just being loved by him, but it's also about, about living with discipline and putting to death our old ways of living. That's one of the ways you show you love God. Love is reciprocal. He has loved you. You can't deny it. How do you love him back? By love, by obeying his commandment, by doing his bidding. By allowing his will to be done in your life. We are meant to follow him wholeheartedly. This means we have to let go of how we used to live before we knew Jesus. Amen? And learn new ways about how to please him. You will learn some ways and learn some new ways. How do you do that? Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Like I told you about the mind. The mind needs to be born again. And this is how the mind is, uh, is renewed in the knowledge of God. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your bodies, physical bodies, not spiritual, physical bodies. Because many times we claim we own this body. It's my body. It's my body. My body. You don't tell me how I do my body. But here you are saying that somebody bought you with a price. You are accountable to somebody. And that's Jesus. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing of our mind comes through the word of God. It's not through hearing fables or through watching television, bad news and all that. No, renewing your mind comes through meditating on the word of God, reading the word of God, studying the word of God. That's how your mind is renewed. You begin, begin to unlearn some things I used to know, you know before you were a Christian. Now that you're a child of God, there are new things to learn. There are things to know and put on. But I would say put on Christ. It's just like when we do academic exercises, especially the youth, you're still going to school, even the adults will still go to school, yeah? You do homework. Your lecturers, your instructor will tell you, do this assignment, that's homework. You take it home and begin to work on it. If you neglect it, oh, you're going to have regrets because it's very fundamental to your academic pursuit. So the more you do that, the more you find you are mastering the subject. 
when the teacher is teaching, you are following up easily because you are doing your homework. Some even read ahead of their lecturers and teachers. That's good. The word of God is the source of wisdom with which we need to walk in this Christian race. So we need to read the word of God, study the word of God, meditate upon the word of God. Amen. So spiritually, when we do spiritual exercises, call it homework. You find that as you are faithful in doing that, you will grow. You will grow in the Lord. For example, some of these spiritual disciplines we need to take note of. Praying. I would say pray without ceasing. I know there are some people who get so committed, they have, uh, they now call themselves prayer warriors. Why other Christians are not warriors? <laughs> we ought, ought to be warriors. Amen. It's true that some people, they are more committed in that direction. But the Bible says pray without ceasing. So if you are a child of God, you obey that and be prayerful as well. And be a prayer warrior as well. Amen. That's a challenge to every one of us who are not prayer warriors today. You think that that's a ministry that God has given to some people. Not so. Every believer is supposed to be a prayer warrior. Amen. Get to know that and take the responsibility and take the challenge. Fasting is a spiritual exercise, a spiritual discipline. When we begin to fast, the church may not even have to tell us to fast. Holy Spirit tells us, for this problem, this bad dream, this nightmare that is troubling you and you are unsettled, you just and just go on a day fast or two or three. This challenge, you need to just approach it with prayers and fasting. Holy Spirit will just hold that into your heart. I'm not there, no pastor is there, but it's left for you to obey. And you see the fruit of it when you obey. Amen? Yes. Bible reading itself is good. But more than that is studying the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15 So we should study ourselves No, as a workman that does not need to be ashamed of his tools We need to know the word of God It's God's love letter to us We need to understand it Gone are those days when You know the priest would not allow the lady to touch the Bible Or read or study the Bible Saying that the clergy We are the one That's not it Far from the truth That was deception of the of the enemy in that time we need to know this bible amen bible reading studying could incredibly be life-changing in our relationship with jesus you get to discover new promises and all doing homework in schools helps you to grow be a better student and you too by doing these spiritual exercises you grow to be a better student of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because another definition of discipleship is that we become, we become students of our mentor. Become students of a master. And the master here is Jesus Christ. Amen? We experience growth and we become transformed from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Bible says from glory to glory he transforms us. It's a gradual process. But as we submit to one another and also to Christ, confessing our faults when we fought one another 
or where we are in error and asking for prayers like James says in 5.16, worshiping God, praising God, and exercising stewardship over the talents and gifting that God has given to us by doing all this. Also, self-examination, all these are spiritual exercises, like homework that will help you to mature as an academician. Expressing thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy by praising him for all he does for you. Yes, it's part of it. Self-discipline, the ability to control our conduct and it helps us to block personal impulses, peer pressure and social customs from influencing our conduct. A person exercising self-discipline is better able to control his appetites, emotions, and moods, and even the tongue. James chapter 8, chapter 3, verse 8 says, The tongue can no man tame. That's not the end of the story. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you today, no man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can help you tame the tongue. Amen. Same way, Holy Spirit will help you to exercise self-control on a daily basis so that you not fall into the peace that the enemy sets for you. Jesus tells us to pluck out anything that prevents us from obeying God. This plucking out requires discipline and courage. An undisciplined believer is an immature believer. We need to make every effort to cultivate these virtues. That word, cultivate. Does that sound as if we are still under grace? Yeah. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that. We need to put, add to your faith, virtue. Add to virtue, godliness. Add to this, knowledge. You read it there yourself, you find that there is something you have to do. You don't just don't have to be complacent. Oh, the Holy Spirit is there, Holy Spirit is there. Holy Spirit is waiting for you. He wants to help you. If you have a willing heart, that's the issue. Gossip is the fruit of an undisciplined tongue, for example. If you are a gossip, the problem with you is that you have not been able to exercise that discipline and you have not asked the Holy Spirit to help you either. But he can help you if you are willing. Lust is the fruit of an undisciplined mind because you will not allow Holy Spirit to control you, to direct you. And to reject all those bad, bad thoughts that are like arrows. Quick temper, rage, and unforgiveness. These are products of an undisciplined life. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city without walls. Proverbs 25 verse 28. Proverbs 16, 32 says, Better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Alexander the Great, we know him, of Grisha Empire. He was such a powerful emperor. He conquered nation. He conquered people. A time came. No more nation to conquer. He was now confused. Not, nothing to conquer anymore. We're told that when he was drunk, one of this time because of lack of self-control, he killed his friend, the best friend he had. Out of rage, many people, they say under provocation, they do many things, destroy television sets and all that. Why would you allow the flesh to manifest to that level? This issue we are talking about, there's something to check the flesh, and that's self-discipline. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Practicing self-control or self-discipline is the secret of spiritual maturity. And it has to be on a daily basis. Practicing self-control helps us to have mastery over our flesh, over sinful tendencies, and helps us to grow unto Christ's likeness. That's one of the purposes why God created you, to become like Christ. Self-discipline helps you in that journey to becoming Christ-like. It is a virtue we must cultivate through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. But at least we have to have a willing heart. And that's what's required of us. The Holy Spirit helps us. It is a way of showing Christ that we love him above self, above sin, and above the world. Self-control, self-discipline is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as we desire and decide right, we grow and mature and become Christ-centered instead of being self-centered. Galatians 5.23 May the Lord help us in this regard in the name of Jesus. I will say, uh, Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Can I live victorious in a society like this? Yes, Holy Spirit is there for you. But will Holy Spirit just do everything for me? No. I have to allow, I have to permit the Holy Spirit to help me in this regard. Therefore, let us pray. If you find that you have been having a problem with lack of self-control, whether in eating or feeding, in everything that you do, you need self-control. And we need the wisdom of God to know where to draw the boundaries. May the Lord help us. More so as we await the coming of the Lord, nothing should derail us. The Bible says we should not allow you know, besetting sins, common sins that are recurrent in our life. We should not allow them to overwhelm us. The grace has been given to us to overcome them all in Jesus' name. If you are here and you have a problem over lost, Holy Spirit will help you to overcome in the name of Jesus. There are some people, because American, there's so much food, your problem is that you overeat. Can't control yourself. Holy Spirit will help you in Jesus' name. Whatever it is that you are self-indulgent in, that gratify the flesh and not please God, may the Holy Spirit help each and every one of us in the name of Jesus. Those who are listening to me, listening to me and watching me, may the Lord help you. And if you are listening to me, or watching me and you have not given your life to Christ, I pray that you surrender your heart to Jesus right now. He will accept you. Just acknowledge that you are a sinner. You are helpless. And that Jesus Christ died for you. He will forgive you. He will wash you clean as if you have never sinned. May that be your portion if you have never known the Lord. If you are sick this morning, receive healing in the name of Jesus. He sent forth his word and healed them. Even so, as the word goes forth, now you are healed in the name of Jesus. Because Christ received the nice stripes on his body for the sake of the sickness and oppression that's in your body now. Give it up and say, Christ has paid for it. He has paid for sin problem. He has paid for sickness problem. And so that's not your portion. It is well with you. 
It's well with your household. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. God bless your hearts. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. The Lord is good. Shall be on our feet as we give our offering. Amen.